Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mabe. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Super excited about this episode. Been working with schedules to to track our guest down. She's a busy, busy woman, but we finally got the stars to align. And I just want to say, uh, Amy Culp, it is a honor and pleasure to have you on the show. Say hello to everybody. Well, likewise, I feel the same. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. Looking forward to chatting, doing a little uh, talk about the, how we work together. Been yeah. looking forward to this. Yeah, so... Uh, just a little uh, about Amy, and uh, and we'll we'll jump into this episode. But Amy began uh, as an assistant athletics director here at, as a sports dietitian at the University of Texas in 2012. Uh, she previously served as a consultant sports dietitian for the university for five years. Uh, a little bit about Amy too. She's just armed uh, with a wealth of knowledge, and definitely I can speak to this. A very passionate uh, leader. And nutrition and uh, helping people live healthier lifestyles. She she not only teaches nutrition about how to eat and how to be better in in, in your body and your performance, but she lives it. I can attest to that. Uh, she earned her Bachelor of Science with distinction in food and nutrition from San Diego State, and completed completed her clinical training at Virginia uh, VA San Diego Healthcare System. Um, while at SDSU, she was chosen as the Outstanding California Dietetic Student of the Year for the state of California. We won't say what year that was. Yeah, that was we'll, a long time ago. We'll keep that <laughs> keep that under wraps. Um, 2015, she was honored to be recognized by her colleagues in the Collegiate Professional Sports Dietitians Association. That sounds like a strength coach association. Right? There's a, a lot of words there, yeah. We should say uh, CPSDA. Yeah, with her service <laughs> award. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. A little bit more about her. She's a registered and licensed dietitian and and is board certified in sports dietetics. Uh, She's an active member of the national and local chapters of Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietitians Association Sports Cardiovascular and Wellness Dietetic Practice Group. Yeah. Lots of of words. I can't remember all that. So. CPSDA and scan, let's say that. Let's say that. Yeah. CPSDA and scan. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think most importantly, uh, her and her husband, Yancey, have two beautiful children, her daughter, Lily, and her son, Scout. And from what I can tell uh, from you and your husband, they both are loaded with energy. Would that be accurate? Loaded. (laughs) Loaded with energy. Yes. Anyway, Amy, welcome to the show. Uh, Kick us off today. Talk to us a little bit. Uh, Give the the listeners some context. Introduce yourself. Where did you come from? Talk about maybe how did you get into sports nutrition? What led you into the private? How did you come into Texas? Give us the whole kind of timeline on that. Okay. I love to tell the story because, um, <clears throat> you know, I think as a student, I felt this way too. Students are often asking, how did you get your job? You know, how did you, because it is definitely my dream job and it's my passion mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was just at a workout class this morning and they were saying, oh, this is the highlight of my day. And I think I'm so lucky that that's not true for me, that I get to go and to do a job that I absolutely love still after, you know, eight years here full time. Um, 
but I like to tell the story because it's it's unique and it's not really there's not one perfect path for become a, becoming a sports dietitian. Um, and and maybe that's the case for me because I started and I had a passion for it when I was in college. Um, I'm I'm a Texan, but I went to San Diego for a while because the ocean is in my heart. Um, so I wanted to live by yeah, the beach. I can attest to that. I, I like the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my daughter's middle name is is Ocean. I love it. <laughs> we lived at the beach, and, and I would have stayed there forever. But I'm a Texan at heart, so I had to get back home. Um, and so while I was in uh, college at San Diego State, well, let me back a little bit. I did go to Texas Tech for two years. We won't I don't hold that always you. admit that here at UT. I know you. I didn't graduate from there, <laughs> but uh, I did go to Tech for two years, and I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, and then I learned I had to take gross anatomy and uh, cut up a cadaver. And I said, breaker? "Nope, not doing that." <laughs> I like it. And so I was talking to my mom about it, and she said, you know, you've always been into nutrition and health, and, and she's a home ec teacher she was for 40 years, okay. and she said, I think you should look into dietetics. I think dietitian would be a great, um, you know, it's still very science-heavy, um, but it also combines, you know, food with the science, and, and I, I think you'd be great. And so went to San Diego, moved to San Diego. And took my first nutrition class, and definitely it was the right fit for me, and um, and just thrived in there at San Diego State, and loved every minute of it. But I always knew that I wanted to do sports nutrition, and I'm not really sure why, because mm-hmm. when I was there, and I would tell people that I wanted to do sports nutrition, it, you know, the advice that I would get would be, well, that's great, but there's not a lot of jobs in sports nutrition, so you need to make mm-hmm. sure that you have a backup plan and what else are you going to do besides that and so and really that was true at the time there were a few great sports dietitians that were you know my idols and I would think that's what I want to do I want to be a writer a consultant work with different teams Um, and so I just started along that passion and I studied it but um, again like I said there weren't a lot of jobs and so right out of Mm -hmm. clinical I took a job um, as a clinical dietitian so I tell this story because I say there were a lot of jobs that I took that I said I would never do Right. Um, I will never be a clinical dietitian. And then I did because mm-hmm. you had to pay the bills. And um, I ended up learning a lot. And I ended up being so thankful that I took that job. And then we moved to Texas. And I wanted to start a private practice, but that's something that takes resources. And so I needed to take other um, jobs as I was building that up. And so then I ended up working in public health as a dietitian for the WIC program. And again, a job that I said I would never really be that passionate about doing, but it was a great opportunity for me. I got a lot of management experience um, and just grew grew a lot as a dietitian Mm -hmm. in those roles. And so I worked in different capacities in public health and then um, took a job uh, here at UT as a dietitian for the students. So um, working in the student services building and I, I did that job for a couple of years um, and starting a private practice on the side. And so after a while, um, my private practice grew so much that I was able to leave my day job um, at UT mm-hmm. and just did my private practice full time. And then during that time, I would just tell anyone that would listen that I love doing sports nutrition. And so a lot of the consults that I was seeing in my private practice were eating disorders, weight management, and sports nutrition. So sports nutrition oh, cool, from yeah. a wide gamut, right? Anything from high school sports nutrition to, at the time, triathlons were very, very popular in Austin. I would go and talk to running groups in town. So really any way that I could get experience, and I was telling my colleagues in town too, if anything related to sports nutrition, let me know. And so my good friend um, was consulting here at the time, and she said, hey, 
UT is looking to bring on another consultant. Would you like to come and be interviewed for that? And so I met with them and, and came on as a consultant. So I was coming in one day a week at UT while I still had my private practice. Mm-hmm. That I thought I am living the dream. This is the perfect That's job for cool, me, right? Yeah. I mm-hmm. built this private practice. Um, I'm able to go in and see the athletes. This is, you know, what I dreamed about when I was in college. Um, and so I did that for five years and really just worked on um, building relationships with the different teams and really just came in, saw the athletes one on one, would do team talks and things like that. But the demand started to grow and I started working with some teams like football, where they would want me around a little bit more. Hey, will you come out to practice? Will you come out um, and and cover and cover the lift and make sure the guys know what to get for recovery? And so it was growing outside of a consultant model. And so uh, the other consultant at the time, Sally, and I, you know, presented a plan to Alan, our boss, and said, you know, we really think it's moving in the direction of a full-time dietitian. And Donnie, at the time, I did not think that I wanted that job. Again, mm-hmm. I thought I had my dream job, right? I mm-hmm. have my private practice. I love what I'm doing. And um, so we presented this plan to Alan, and it, and it took a couple of years before it was truly um, that they could present um, to the ADs that they wanted to have a full-time dietitian. And in that time, I just always say, if you've ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese, or Somebody Moved My Cheese, mm-hmm. or something like that, like, somebody moved my cheese, and I just ha- developed a passion for wanting to develop a program at UT. So I had a vision for, I want to build a world-class sports nutrition department at UT. And... Um, I remember telling Alan, hey, you know, I want to be considered for this position. And he said, um, are, are you sure you would want to give up your private practice? And I said, oh, I'm not going to give up my private practice. I'll, I'll still keep that on the side, right? But I was naive to think I could do yeah, both. Yeah. I couldn't. But um, yeah, like I, I, w- I would love to be considered. And so that's how I got there. That's, that's sort of the very long story. But I love to tell it, like I said, because um, there's – I took, like I said, a bunch of different jobs, and those all mm-hmm. of those jobs helped me to grow as a dietitian and as a leader. And I'm so thankful for the relationships that I developed in those jobs. And at the same, I always tell people that are coming up at Sports Nutrition, do a great job wherever you are. That's how you get your yeah, next job. That's the big time right? job. Um, do a great job wherever you are. You can still tell. You know, I was telling people where I was working in public health, or wherever I was. I love sports nutrition. I, I want to be a sports dietitian. Those jobs just weren't available at the time. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully, if you do a good job where you are and you tell people what your passion is, I think the stars will align for you eventually. Um, I was When I was hired, there was only one other full-time sports dietitian in the Big 12. Mm. And now everyone has departments, right? It's not just one dietitian. And um, I grew up from just me and 550 athletes in 2012. And now we have a staff of six dietitians. And so it's been just my life's work to have the opportunity to to do this at Texas. Yeah, I mean, I love what you said right there. You know, you made some really key points about, you know, just career, whether it's, you know, obviously we're talking about an industry and profession that's grown, like, really fast. But and there's a there's a point or a quote I've heard somebody say when it comes to, you know, your career and your job. It's like, find something you love doing so much you would do it for free, but then get so good at it, people will pay you to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I hear you saying is... Um, you just love doing it. I mean, I, you were you were hustling and doing things uh, that you know that kind of helped you get the experience, so that when the time came, you were prepared to take take full advantage of the opportunity. So, 
Uh, and you don't always story. know that's yeah. how it's going to work out, right? You, you just don't. think, oh, I'm just taking this job and I have to pay the bills, but I really wish this was a different job. And I always tell people, just do a great job where you are because you're supposed to be there and learn from it and grow from it. What can you take from that position that can help you in your next job? And every every opportunity will be that, you know, mm-hmm. while you're still growing and developing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, again, like you said, you can't wait for that position to appear. That's that they call it that the position myth. Right. Well, I'll become a leader once the position is there, and it's it's not how it works. You need to think like that and be a leader, like you're saying. Then when the position does come, you'll be prepared. Mm-hmm. So it's a good point. I've never um, been truly prepared for any job, right? You just um, you again, you do the hard work, you hustle, and then the opportunity will come at you, mm-hmm. and then you take it and grow, continue to grow. Kind of touching on something you mentioned there. Uh, what has it been like for you to see this this uh, department grow? Has there been some growing pains? Um, what's been some of the good things with that? Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the challenges, things that you've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Whatever you feel. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of times there's a misconception that we're at the University of Texas, so we have resources, so it's been easy to grow a department. Um, and that's certainly not the case. I think part of the reason why is because when I started even my boss didn't really know what I was going to do. He just knew, yes, this makes more sense from a business perspective for us to have a full-time dietitian rather than paying two consultants to do this. Um, so helping people to understand the role of a sports dietitian, um, now he's my definitely my biggest cheerleader and understands and gets it, but it wasn't that way always. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that's really important for us to do is you know, tell our story and tell and show show how we help to serve the student athletes and the coaches. Um, I always uh, tell my colleagues as they're asking, you know, how do you how do you build and grow over time? And I say, you know, athletics directors think in risk management and um, money and taking care of the athletes mm-hmm. and taking care of the athletes and the coaches, right? And so, how can you then project mm-hmm. whatever job you're in? in that category, mm-hmm. right? So if you're saying I'm helping to decrease the risk of illness and injury, you're going to have to show how you're doing that. Or I'm helping to decrease the risks of uh, eating disorders, disordered eating in our athletes. This is, this is how I'm doing it. I'm helping to decrease the risk of um, heat injury. Here's how we do it. Um, also, at Texas, um, a very fortunate that we believe in the model here is that all student athletes receive the same level of care. And so if we are you know, the, my program built over time because of increased in demand for services. So mm-hmm. you start with the teams that are interested and want it, and you do a great, again, start where your feet are planted, right? You do a great job in those areas where you are, and again, showing the value in all the different er- ways that a sports dietitian can help. You're doing that with those teams that are requesting that and needing it and wanting it. Then the demand grows over time. And I was able to go back to the um, administration and say, you know, we're providing this level of care, this comprehensive level of care for these teams. Mm -hmm. It's being requested by these additional teams that we are at this point only able to provide ancillary services to because of the number of sports dietitians that we have. Um, If you want the comprehensive level of care that they're asking for, we do have the same level of care for all athletes. We're going to have to have another staff member. And so it's showing that over time, that increased demand for services. showing again what you do as a sports dietitian. So the um, clinical dietetics piece of it, the um, food service piece of it, the what I call practical sports nutrition, which is down in the weight room, 
at the practice, meeting, you know, and the training table, meeting the athlete where they are, you're practically applying what you're teaching them about sports nutrition. Um, so all of those different pieces you're you're teaching and you're showing mm. this is what a sports dietitian sh- what, what a sports dietitian does and then as you know at the end of the day it all goes back to building relationships right yeah, so for sure yeah building relationships with your teams building relationships with your coaches with the athletes with all the support staff that you work with so that you're working really well together um, and you feel like I can't do it without that person. Mm-hmm. I can't do that this without that person helping me. I'm helping them. And we're taking great care of the student athlete. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question fully, but how we grew over time really is, okay, we're going to answer that demand for services. And we're, we're going to do it in a way that's world class. And hopefully then their response yeah. will increase for those other teams. And thankfully that has been the case for us. And with the model of all student athletes receiving the same level of care, the model that I developed is, um, <laughs> I think I just made it up because it's nowhere, I couldn't really find you know any anything to benchmark off of, but it was one dietitian for every 100 athletes. Mm-hmm. Felt like a manageable, um, a manageable caseload. Yeah. You know, you, you, as you were talking, Amy, I was thinking about even back when I played and, and our sports dietitian was, and I'm being serious here, but it's kind of, it's, it's comical hearing you say that. Taco Bell, <laughs> Wendy, <laughs> Burger King. Wherever you could just get some fuel. <laughs> just, get, just get calories <laughs> so that we could survive. But uh, what an incredible uh, era we in of, 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 are we in with performance uh, with this team approach yeah. and, and the job you guys have come in and done. And, you know, and it's been, it's been good for me as a strength coach over the years to work closely with you and your staff and up close and personal, not only see the physical transformation, but confidence, mm-hmm. uh, the lifestyle habits that hopefully carry on later down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, nutrition's kind of that piece today. I mean, if you look at the big, what are the big three? Hydration, really, right? Nutrition and sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty funny, the research coming out today. If you just do the fundamentals really mm-hmm. well, the other stuff will take care of itself. If you don't do those well, mm-hmm. then this will lag behind. So, I mean, yours, yours is definitely one of the big tenets of, of performance and uh, the job you guys are doing incredible. Thank you. Uh, how would you define from a dietitian, sports nutritionist, your perspective, your words and definition, this Team Behind the Team podcast is is really emphasizing that, that performance team, those five uh, streams or buckets, uh, sports nutrition, applied science, sports science, behavioral health, strength conditioning, and uh, athletic med- or sports medicine, mm-hmm. athletic training. How would you define that in your own terms? That that team uh, model approach. How would you define that? Um, yeah, I think that when I think about it, I think just how fortunate I am to work at a place that really values that mm-hmm. and that. In most situations that I've worked in in my in my eight years here, it's been um, everyone tries to, I guess you say, stay in your lane, but also collaborate. Yeah. And even with the crazy schedules that we have, try to figure out how can we collaborate so that we're being number one more efficient. Number two, we need to have the same message, right? Whenever you don't have the same message, because we're all kind of working in with for this, not kind of, we all have the exact same goal. Yeah. 
we're trying to win and we want to take good care yeah. of the health health and welfare of the athletes, right? So that's why that's what we're hired to do is to help in those two areas. And so we have to be on the same page. So if you have an athlete that needs to um, gain some weight for their position and you are just working in your little silos and not talking together about how you're each assisting and supporting the athlete mm-hmm. in doing that and the message that's being sent. Um, number one, it just creates a lot of divisiveness in the team, but also mm-hmm. just creates confusion for the athlete. Um, and so th- I think it's just integral to make sure that you, again, take that time. It, it takes time to have performance team meetings, right? Mm-hmm. To make sure that we all get together, we're talking through. But I learned so much. I learned so much about, oh, I didn't know that athlete was having a hard time with sleep and that it was related to a stressful situation that happened. I don't need to know all the details of that, but that really helps me then. Yeah, and that impacts eating and everything. Exactly, right. Before, you know, training exactly. and everything, yeah. Yeah, so it, um, you know, I worked in private practice and you feel a lot more um, alone because it's you and the person that's coming in to see you. And here we meet weekly about the athletes that we're working with and it really helps to just feel like that you have this firm foundation underneath mm-hmm. that athlete. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. It really is just, like I said, that foundation for the athlete. Yeah, it's good. I think, you know, listening to you say that, that there's definitely a lot of, what I'm hearing, a lot of advantages and positives. Not that we would ever struggle at Texas, but <laughs> what would be, uh, you know, one one thing I love asking all our guests, what have been, what are some challenges to this team uh, performance approach model. Mm-hmm. What are some, you know, I think it's easy when you're kind of the only person in charge, mm-hmm. but then when you start bringing more uh, great minds and experts into the picture, what are some challenges that, that you've seen and, and, and yeah. had to deal with through some of that? Well, as my wise husband says, you can either do it all yourself or you can work with the team and have challenges, right? So mm-hmm. and that And that's true across the board. That's true either just me and the team of sports dietitians that we work in or the team that we work in in a multidisciplinary um, setting. I think for nutrition, probably for us, you know, everybody eats, right? There's not one person that doesn't eat. <laughs> so everybody has an opinion about it. Um and they do. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks they know nutrition, yeah, don't right. they? Right. So there's a lot of, and there's a lot of misinformation out. There's a lot of gurus. There's a lot of, um, you know, people that are um, having their platform and saying something about nutrition. But um, so I think that's one of the hardest things for a dietitian mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of experts. The other thing I think that's hard sometimes for people that are just going in somewhere is that not only does everybody eat. Nutrition was happening before you got there. So you're probably taking away a role from somebody. And anytime that happens, I don't care how overworked that person is, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a little discomfort in a role being taken away from me. So you have to be very strategic. And I don't want to take anything away other than I just want to make your job easier. So that's what I always try to do when we work together as a team is I want to make your job easier. How can I help and serve you? Whether mm-hmm. it's as a yeah, coach. Be a team or player. The, yeah, yeah there's a coach or the strength coach or the athletic trainer. Um, so I would say probably fighting the misinformation. You're, you're never going to be in a situation, just like for me, you know, sometimes people will come in my office and they'll ask me, well, do, don't you think I should be doing more conditioning? Um, and, I'm not an expert in that, but they're still going to ask me yeah. those questions. And so those questions will come up for coaches and strength coaches and things like that. So what's important is just making sure that we that we I create an environment so that that 
coach can come to me and say, hey, I said Mm -hmm. this, or I just want to make sure we're on the same page about this. This is the recommendation that I gave, or they asked me about this. Um, And again, that comes from developing trusting relationships and and, uh, with the people that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like like you said, there's there's definitely pros, there's cons, as you mentioned. I think, you know, I think when you, I mean, I totally agree with what you said, when you put the athlete as the center mm-hmm. focal point of what why we're here. I think that helps us all get on aligned. I, I've heard it said somewhere, um, and I can't remember where, but there's a difference in being aligned and always agreeing. And I, I think, you know, I think we can be aligned, but we may not agree on certain things, but that means we're still working for, with each other and you know, finding areas to compromise or whatever to make that relationship work. You and know? having curiosity about yeah. it. You know, I know you talked to Coach Hootie earlier today, and she's been so great to work with. I work directly with men's basketball, and she's been awesome to work with. And how I've noticed how she presents things to me is, here's what I've heard. I'm not, I'm not trying to challenge or you know offend you or anything like that. But here's what I've heard. Is that true? And so that's a breath of fresh air to me. I would, yeah. I would love. I love it when people come to me and say, here's what I've heard about that, or here's what I've said before. Is that mm-hmm. true? So we can have that dialogue back and forth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we might still have a uh, philosophical disagreement about it, but we're also going to respect each other in that discussion. Yeah, that's good. You know, the other way I've heard it said too, you made me think of it just now, working, what, what is it? Working together agreeably is cooperating. Mm-hmm. We all just agree. There's really no pushback. There's nobody that's asking questions. It's, you know, just kind of status quo, right? And that's okay. It's 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 not going to be the best scenario. But working together aggressively is collaboration, mm-hmm. which what I continue to hear you mm-hmm. to say, you know, and, and you got to be, you got to be collaborative, you know, today collaborative if you want to be really good at, at what you're doing. Yeah, because it's, you can't ever get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in a field of science that's ever changing and growing and new science coming out and people are going to read about it and be interested about it. Mm. And so pushing that envelope again, we are hired we are hired to help our athletes win and to be healthy now and in the long term, right? And so as I drive into work and I see the tower, I remind myself of that. you know, you you can have, a title for your job, that's one thing, but you're, what you're hired to do, you better know that why, because that's going to be what drives you every day, yes. right? And what drives us is to be world-class at UT. We're expected to be that. We're expected to be world-class, to be first to be first in our class in terms of staying collaborative, staying, you know, pushing the envelope and what mm-hmm. is not only um, great science, but also creative and innovative. Um, but it's important to me to try to be creative and innovative, but evidence-based because, again, mm-hmm. lots and lots comes out about nutrition. We don't need to be sort of chasing the new thing all the time. What is evidence-based that's going to help the athlete um, and, the, and the teams help them move forward in the direction we've been hired to do? Yeah, that's good. Um, talking a little bit about now, so somebody's listening uh, to the show. What are some of your big kind of um, – what would you say, suggestions, guidelines, and recommendations for fueling for performance? And what I mean by that contextually, big workout, big practice, go a little higher, man, big game, big match. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to be energetic, recovered, 
What are just some guidelines and, and things kind of to help people as they're listening? How, how would you kind of counsel them on that? I think probably the first thing that we try to help the athletes understand, um, especially for this age group, is that food is fuel, and we use that word a lot, um, mm-hmm. that it's fuel, because I think we want, obviously, we want our athletes to enjoy their food, but we live an environment that, you know, every meal, every snack shouldn't just be like the best thing you've ever had. It shouldn't be a party every time, you know, is what I say. And so um, we have to have some good intention behind that. It doesn't mean that the beauty about nutrition is you don't have to do it perfectly. When you try to do it perfectly, that actually causes some problems too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, certainly we write meal plans and we write things that are, are, are more black and white, but there's a lot of gray in that. And so, again, I think the first tenet that we try to teach our athletes for this population is that your food is fuel and that having some intention and some awareness about the choices that you're making. And so how that then guides the conversation is let's be intentional about how you plan your day and when you're getting your fuel in. So if you're an athlete that has an early morning practice, what are you going to do even the day before to make sure that you're well fueled like for that, that early yeah. morning practice, right? And so um, what are you? how are you going to be hydrated to show up for a 5.30 a.m. swim practice? How are you going to be fueled to show up for a 5.30 a.m. swim practice or a 6 a.m. football workout? Um, so being very intentional about the schedule, too, and what you're eating and when you're eating it com- compared to, again, what are those nutritional strategies? So if it's a pre-workout or a post-workout, we teach them um, what are those macronutrients that you're needing and how can those help to fuel you and to recover you? So every, teaching the purpose behind why we're doing what we're doing. Why do we have things like chocolate milk? Why do we have things like um, foods that are higher in um, more simple carbohydrates that are mm-hmm. absorbed very readily? Um, why do we have things like sports drinks? Why do we have things like cherry juice? And so teaching them the intention behind all of that. and so. Getting back to your original question, thinking about food as fuel, you need to have some enjoyment. We work that in. We talk about the 80-20 concept. So 80, t- 80% of the time you're planning for that intention, and we help them break down their day and, and how to fuel around that. Um, 20%, you got to work that fun in, right? Because mm-hmm. if you do, if you don't, um, then again, it can cause some problems as well. We don't so call true, it cheating, yeah. right? It's, it's not extreme, cheating. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be extreme with it. And it's we don't call it cheating, which it's just intentional fueling as well. And that you're working in foods mm-hmm. that are very satisfying and, and fun to eat and are enjoyable. Um, you have taste buds for a reason, right? You want to taste and enjoy mm-hmm. your food. And then I think it goes down to what, why my job is fun is that it's very individualized, right? So it depends on the athlete's likes and dislikes. It depends on what their goals are. It depends on what their sport is. It depends on their position in their sport. It depends on the season that they're in, right? So um, a lot of times people will say, oh, does it chill out for you guys um, in the spring? Because football is doesn't have games. And, you know, well, it's just different. The, the sports nutrition for football, for example, is, is different in the offseason. I often say it's it's the dietitian's in-season, right? Because that's the time you're trying to yeah, make games or change body comps. They're training harder so. than they've ever trained. And we're doing a lot of education around yeah. um, about food because they don't during the season, our job is to keep them on the field and to keep them healthy and to keep them hydrated. We don't have as much time to do the life skills education. So with each of those teams, we um, figure out 
you know, when we're going to focus on that education, when we're going to focus on the different types of uh, Mm -hmm. knowledge that they need to have. Um, The other thing we focus a lot on is, so um, like I said, food is fuel, work in some fun, 80-20, nutrient timing. So again, I I alluded to it a second ago that we will look at a schedule for somebody and help them figure out what you need to be eating when. So for example, we'll use swimming again. You know, they have a morning practice and an afternoon practice, Mm -hmm. and then they might have a lift in there too. Right, so they have crazy lot, yeah, packed a day, and they burn a ton of calories, and they spend four hours a day with their face in the water, right? Versus a team, let's say like soccer, where um, they're practicing obviously on their field, and you can get calories in them a little bit easier during their practice. Yeah, during that session, right? And so we look at not only what, so we'll calculate what their needs are for the day, and then we break it out for nutrient timing because what you need before and after, so I usually start with that. What do you need for pre-workout? What do you need for Mm post-workout for those two swim sessions? What are you going to do between your lift before you go swim for this afternoon session? What are you going to do at lunch? Because let's say you get out of class at one o'clock and you have to be in the weight room by 2.30, and then you're going to swim at three. You can't have a big lunch, you know, a big salad with a lot of protein on it because that's going to feel terrible in your stomach whenever you then have to go swim because that's all the fiber and the protein that's digested much more slowly. Mm. So being very intentional with your nutrient timing and knowing um, how those foods can help you for that performance um, and then based on how your day goes. Yeah, you, you made me uh, think about when I was a young coach, uh, Bella Carolla was the, the famous uh, USA gymnastics coach. And this guy, I mean, obviously very successful um, getting young ladies to the Olympics and winning golds, right? Mm -hmm. He would have those girls during their training sessions uh, drink milk, sip on milk. (laughs) So because they would lose muscle mass, Mm -hmm. because their their training sessions, like you just said, were so long that once you deplete your body of fuel, it's going to get energy from somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was just, he was was ahead of his time. He was a little ahead of his time, yeah. It's not the exact nutrition I would tell them during a practice yeah. at this point, but he was on the right track of helping to maintain um, that muscle mass during that long that long practice. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good information. Um, what about a little bit of tech? Let's talk technology a little bit. And again, working with you and your staff, you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff. I know just the, the ability to have a DEXA scan mm-hmm. whenever needed is, is right. I know that the DEXA just, anybody's had to work with DEXA. You have, I have, uh, sometimes coaches don't like those results. <laughs> right. Uh, but that, but sometimes, you know what, it's actually good because you can make some course corrections. Knowledge is power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's DEXA or some other things you guys are looking at innovation wise technology or something, maybe you see, talk a little bit about technology and kind of how you utilize some of that. You in saying Dexa, you, you made me think about um, you know my first year when I started here. Mm-hmm. We went with volleyball to the national championship, right? We won, and I remember thinking this job's gonna be great. This is so much fun. We go to national. Yeah, it's so easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I remember looking at their Dexas. Um, but when we came back, we were I think reviewing Dexas for the spring, and noticing they peaked in lean mass right before the final four kudos to you i'm sure Mm -hmm. you know that was very intentional in how you did it but that helped me realize 
We need to be very strategic about when we're taking these DEXs and helping these helping the strength coaches with this information about when do their athletes need to be peaking for um, different training cycles, right? So mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, DEX is one of them. We, we not only use, um, obviously, the changes in lean mass and fat mass over time and for those training cycles, and that helps us to inform the athletes um, about their nutrition and about about their habits and about their sleep and everything that's going on based on what their goals are. Um, but we also use that technology to look at their bone health to see if they're at potential risk for injury, uh, for bone stress injuries. Um, you can also that's so cool. What yeah. you just said right there. And you could potentially have yeah. too much lean mass and not enough um, bone mass. So we can look at that too. And we've provided that information yeah. sometimes to strength coaches. And so it helps them to adjust um, to try to prevent injury in that way as well. So that's then we also use that technology. We use the lean mass then to calculate what the athlete's needs are. So that's much more accurate than using total body weight. And so we'll use that lean mass to calculate their it caloric burns the needs. calories, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, exactly. It's more I always say you want to bur- you want to yeah. base that on the metabolically active yeah. uh, tissue. So you're you're calculating their needs based on that lean uh, the lean you, mass that yeah, they have. Okay. Um, and so that's one of the technologies that we use. Another one um, that we use is sweat patch testing. So different, it depends on the training cycle um, for the athletes, but we'll actually put a patch on them and measure what they're losing in their sweat so we can individualize what we provide to them. Holy cow, yeah. And so That's it's great. not only, yeah. so we also measure too then what, what they're sweating out. So you have to measure what they're drinking while they're exercising, what their output is, and that helps you to give them then a prescription for how much they need to be drinking, but also what goes into that from a carbohydrate perspective to all the way to the electrolytes that they need. And so it's great for athletes because you all have different sweat rates. Um, you have different things that you sweat out. So it's not just a blanket approach anymore for that. And so um, we had some really, we've had some really great results in that because obviously you're ho- helping to decrease um, risk for overheating, mm-hmm. but you're also just helping people to understand more about their own body, you know, and it helps to create a lot of great conversation about, well, why am I a salty sweater or why don't I sweat mm-hmm. as much? And so mm-hmm. um, that's great conversation. And we will t- we'll typically will test a team at least once a year, if not a few times a year. The other thing we test is um, their specific gravity. So that's looking at um, how hydrated they are too. And that helps us, how hydrated are they throughout different times of the day? Um, so then we can give recommendations are, okay, this is, this is how you showed up you know, to swim practice at this hydration level, here's a recommended amount that you would need to drink to make mm-hmm. sure you're better hydrated before that practice. And then we really tap into, um, you know, what are the strength coaches using um, and the coaches using for any kind of um, load and exertion and that kind of thing, and then try to individualize recovery for that. And so, um, we look at, you know, what is your output during a practice or a game? And that helps to more individualize what our recommendations are for during and after mm-hmm. um, a practice. Yeah. The other thing that we do is um, we do lab testing for athletes. And so we're in- able to individualize their nutritional profile of what they're needing from iron and vitamin D and that sort of thing. That's pretty cool. What about, um, you made me think, you know, you're doing all the testing and all that. I'm trying to think. Getting athletes to buy in to different kind of, you know, you talked about individualizing, um, 
here's here's kind of the, my thought is there's a ton it seems like today, uh, and I haven't studied in all of it, but whether it's keto this or some kind of hot, you know, I feel like your your industry is similar to ours. We get these like buzzwords and topics, and there's a lot of misinformation. I remember when I was uh, when I was first it was Colorado before here. There was some uh, what was it? It wasn't keto, but it was. Um, I can't remember. It was just, you just all proteins and Probably fats. Some variation of but keto, something but like it's, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but to an extreme. Yeah, and athletes were like trying that and passing sure. out. And, <laughs> and uh, that's not I mean, funny, but yeah. I mean, really, you're honestly, many years past it now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, any kind of calorie restriction is going to obviously it's going to work. Right. But there's a lot of big risk, right? Right. So how how do you work with whether it's a coach or an athlete that's got some things that maybe they've read, and how do you get them to kind of hey let's Let's come across, and here's really the best way and the better way to, to fuel your body, to be healthier, to be so forth and so on. I think the most important thing to do is to try to figure out why they're asking and what they're most curious about, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not going to say the name of it, but there was a very popular um documentary that came out recently um, it has a lot of people talking about athlete nutrition and um, eating in a certain way that is pretty can be very restrictive and so we got a ton of questions about that and so the dietitians our job really is to re- figure out okay what is it that's motivating you are you are you scared of some yeah, information? Right there, yeah. You know, um, is somebody in your family, do they get sick? And so you're motivated to make a change. So instead of firing away with the information that you need to know, figure out what it is that's motivating them. Um, because maybe you can get there with them if you understand their why, right? Mm-hmm. So what's important to them? That really drives a lot of our messaging um, is individualizing what's important to that person. And then really helping them to understand, I get what you're saying. Here's here's what I know to be true about this. And I, a lot of times what I say is I'm not selling you anything. My job is, again, to help you win and to help you to be Your safe. Best right? Yeah. Um, and so here's what I know yeah. about the evidence. If it's something that you want to try, I'm here to also help to support you in that. So if it's something that you really want to try, I'm going to help. My job is to keep you safe. So let's say it's some kind of a super extreme low carbohydrate plan and it's an athlete that really that doesn't benefit their sports performance. I will, again, find out their why, educate them around that and then try to obviously convince them not to do that because of those reasons. But if they're like, nope, I'm going to do it, then my job is how can we keep you healthy and safe as Mm -hmm. much as possible? And then hopefully they learn after doing it that I don't feel so great or it didn't work out or it's not realistic or it's not something I can do long term. Because I really want to help people to develop a way of eating. For sure, while they're they're an athlete, they need to learn how to fuel for performance. Um, my job also, though, is to help them to learn how to fuel their body for long-term health and wellness. And so teaching skills that they can take, okay, when I, what, while I'm performing, while I'm an athlete, here's the fueling. Mm-hmm. But what are some, what's the knowledge or what are the life skills that, I need to learn so that I can take this long term. We are going to have a small percentage of our athletes that are going to play professionally. So my job is to help them to know how to fuel and to take care of their bodies as a professional athlete. Um, but there is also going to be a large percentage that don't know how to do that. And mm-hmm. so really understanding the truth behind nutrition is a big part of our job. So we also try to put information out on, you know, whether it's um, 
our social media or up at our nutrition center, just putting information out and in front of the athletes, hoping that they see us mm-hmm. as the expert. Yeah, you, you made me also think about um, being a strength coach in the early years. Supplementation was huge. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I realized supplement companies, it's a billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. So if they're putting out articles and messaging and all these, whether it's a documentary like today, there's, they're marketing mm-hmm. because they're trying to make mm-hmm. money. And I, I think people forget that, that there's a, there's a business side to there's that. And people are trying it. to make money because if you can get enough people kind of buzzing about it, so to speak, and you get more buy-in. Right. People are, you know, right. that's where the crowd's going, the pack, the pack mentality. So, And our business is, again, helping them win and stay healthy. And so I would say, listen, if there was a diet book, to be written for the magic bullet, I would have written it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would be living yeah. in Hawaii. You would right? not be, yeah, we would not be having this little discussion here. Right. But there's no, there is no magic bullet. There's no one perfect answer. That's honestly why my job is fun. It's very individualized. Um, and, you know, I think the future of, of nutrition and sports nutrition is, is moving to more individualization and moving to more, you know, genetic testing and looking at, you know, what might work for one. Why is it that what, one thing works for somebody and not somebody else, you know, and really figuring that out. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important for us to have a staff of six so that we can individualize it for each of those di- for each of those teams that yeah, we that work level for. Level of care goes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say for any any recommendations for somebody listening on any difference with fueling for recovery from an injury? Sure. Yeah, I was actually just visiting with one of our athletes today about that. Um, so energy expenditure is going to go down whenever you're injured, right? So that typically is the first thing that we talk about is if you're used to eating a certain amount of food, food you have to adjust that a bit. Now, energy demands are a little bit higher when you are injured or recovered, or let's say you go through a surgery, mm-hmm. something like that. You have to have nutrition for healing. Um, but then the the also the macronutrients that you need are different. So we use the plate method a lot. Um, in education just because it's easy, right? So for a lot of our athletes that are in high levels of performance or before practices, half of their plate would be carbohydrate, Mm. a fourth protein, and a fourth um, color is what we say. Um, For somebody who's over, is um, injured, their plate would look a little bit different. It might be a third, a third, a third, or it might be a half a plate, colorful fruits and vegetables, a fourth protein, and a fourth carbohydrate. Kind of depends on the athlete. Um, Typically, we look at their the intake of um, pro-inflammatory fats and anti-inflammatory fats, making mm-hmm. sure that they're getting in enough anti-inflammatory fats, and if not, um, supplementing them with a safe fish oil. Um, we look at the different vitamins that are needed in healing whatever injury that they have, yeah, and so we might need a supplement that. with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's very important. And then... Um, Making sure that they're getting enough enough protein. The thing that I was talking about the athlete today is making sure that they're getting enough protein in at different intervals because we know that about 20 to 25 grams of protein can stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So even though they're not lifting, they're at least trying to maintain as much of that mm-hmm. lean tissue by getting in enough of protein at different intervals throughout the day would be another thing that I would look at. Yeah, no, that's powerful. I, I mean, my, my ex- experience um, as a strength coach and you know, definitely being around you and your staff, is that when athletes won't listen and they don't fuel properly, um, it's hard to stay healthy, you mm-hmm. know. And so fuel is, I mean, it's, what is it, um, the one quote I heard last year that was just pretty um, eye-opening is, you know, as, as I'm getting older, you know, I'm starting to pay attention to more stuff. But what, what was it? It said, 
either eat your food like it's medicine, or when you get older, you'll eat medicine for your food. (laughs) I think that's pretty profound, right? right? (laughs) I mean, and I tell athletes that a lot is that, you know, the food that you put into your body um, can either help to support your performance or fight against you, right? So it Mm -hmm. can either be you're already in a state of inflammation. So the choices that you're making, and again, it's not one meal, it's not one time, it's over time what your choices are. Is it gonna be pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory? Is it gonna be like getting in a hot tub or a cold tub? How, and those, if you think about, again, we eat several times a day. I think a lot of times athletes think about, oh, it's what I do in the weight room or I do in practice. That's a smaller percentage of their day compared to the choices that they're Mm -hmm. making throughout the day with their food, which can be very impactful. Um, I love to see when the light bulb goes on for them, right? When they make that connection between what food can do for them. And then they start to make that connection between, okay, I'm starting to look at this as a way to help my performance, to help me get that little edge, Mm -hmm. right? We aren't the thing, nutrition's not the thing that's the the win or the loss, right? It's not the thing that, that's what the brilliant coaches are getting are 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 here for mm-hmm. right are those wins and losses but it is going to help to make you a small percentage better faster stronger yeah um healing faster right yeah, the, the in that small percentage in the area that we're in in mm-hmm. collegiate athletics and the um is it's it's it can make a big impact yeah, one no, way or another the, yeah. uh, the thing you know what i think what's the saying that i've heard it you know nutrition can make a good athlete great or a great athlete good Oh yeah, that is that's true. I mean, yeah, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. It is 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 really a game changer. And and uh, I mean, just again, kudos to you and your staff. I've seen it with uh, some of our athletes up close. And you know, when they do get it, it impacts not just performance, but like we said earlier, confidence, energy levels, and I think even your. I think you know, I, I don't. It's interesting take, but even some of the research, just social circles. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start eating healthier and mm-hmm. you just the way you, your lifestyle changes, right? Yeah, you want to have people that are like-minded. It obviously makes it easier, yeah. right? If you are all sort of changing those habits together in a way that's in a supportive environment, people are going to support you. And um, it, like I said, it's just really fun to see when the light bulb goes on. And I, I always hope that it happens when they're here at UT. Sometimes it happens you know, after they happens. leave here. I know, I'm glad it does. Like, Could you do that when you were here? I know, they come back and they're like, okay, so now I'm, now I, I get it. Can you, can you remind me of everything we talked about, you know? <laughs> so you're hoping that they, that they, they, you know, soak all the knowledge up when they, when they're, while they're here, but at least they're taking it with them and applying it later. It's good stuff. Um, changing gears a little bit. Uh, I like this uh, this next kind of question topic. Uh, all my years working with athletes, you know, the way you've handled the landscape uh, with nutrition, when you start looking at nutrition, you're, I mean, it's inevitable. You're going to have to deal with eating disorders, mm-hmm. right? That's just part of the landscape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, at UT, we're definitely uh, from the days when Tina Bonte was here, just some of the policies and protocols that have been instilled mm-hmm. and put in place to protect athletes has been amazing. Yeah. Uh, to see that and to, to watch uh, just the care that we have for athletes. Mm-hmm. Take a moment and just all your experience and your counsel to whether it's a coach or maybe a professional, what would be your recommendations on how to navigate that conversation mm-hmm. and work through, maybe it's somebody who 
maybe has some signs mm-hmm. of a possible eating disorder mm-hmm. to somebody that maybe has a full blown. Mm-hmm. How would you? Yeah, address I'd say that? if 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 that's uh, your concern with somebody that. Uh, you think is struggling with food and it and it can you know eating disorders live on a spectrum um, and it can be something as uh, what feels as innocuous as I'm just trying to eat a little bit healthier but they're consumed with the thoughts and it affects their social life and they isolate and um, they feel like their eating has to be perfect and you're just seeing those changes in somebody I would just say start with a place of I care about you and I'm mm-hmm. concerned about these things um, and I don't know all the answers, but I'll help you to find the resources, mm-hmm. you know? So I think a lot of times people are afraid to speak up because they're afraid they're going to make it worse. And in my experience, um, when we keep it in the shadows and don't talk about it, um, that's what makes it worse. Yeah, if you avoid it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that is that is a part of the disordered eating is um, the shame and the fear around, um, around the problem. And so if again, caregivers or coaches or people that are around the person are noticing these things and don't talk about it, mm-hmm. it can make that person feel like they need to isolate even more about it. Um, and then again, if you're coming from a place of, I care about you, um, I have some current concerns about um, your eating or your relationship with food um, or your relationship with your body. I don't know exactly what to do. I just want to know, I want you to know that I'm here um, and I'm gonna help to find you you know, somebody to talk to. And it doesn't mean, um, it can be as simple as that. You can just talk to somebody. You know, I think a lot of times athletes are afraid that the thing that's most important to them, which is their sport, is going to get taken away mm-hmm. if they admit that they're struggling with food. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't mm-hmm. You don't want to get to a place where um, the disordered eating has gone along that spectrum and has um, gotten more chronic or gotten so much taken so much more steam that then it starts to have complications with them, with their health, and then therefore their sport. Mm-hmm. You want to, we want to create an environment where they feel safe to come and talk to somebody about like, listen, I'm you know stressed about it, or I'm thinking about this, you know, I'm thinking about things too much, or I have so much anxiety around it. You want to try to create that environment where it's okay to speak up to say that, and they don't have to be fearful of Oh, well, if you admit you have problems with eating or your body image, that the thing that's most important to you is gets taken away. Mm-hmm. No, we're actually going to help you to succeed um, and to feel confident and to know how to feel your body and to help help you to stay healthy. Yeah. Do do would you say athletes do? Are they always aware that they have a problem, or is it is it something that um, I is think it mixed? Maybe? It just varies. Yeah. yeah, I think it just varies a lot. I think again. Um, I love social media, but I think in this area, I hate it. You know, yeah. I think that it's uh, a lot of times with social media, there's a lot of more comparison that goes on. There's a lot more people showing their highlight reel of whether it's, you know, body pictures or food or things like that that can be very triggering. Appearance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, um, it's not always accurate. It's normalized. A lot yeah. of the diet culture and the disordered eating and orthorexia, which is an intense focus on making sure your food is perfect. So they may be getting enough to eat, but it has to be perfect food and perfect eating. Like I told you before, you know, nutrition is an art and a science. And I'm going to actually apply, for sure, apply the science of that. I told you earlier, I'm going to take the lean mass and calculate their needs and do nutrient timing. But I'm also going to apply some art in that. And mm-hmm. we want you to enjoy your food. And we want there to be flexibility. It's really hard for somebody who is an athlete who is used to being told, 
do this, this, and this, and you'll get this result. And a lot mm-hmm. of times that happens, right? Do this practice, run this, run this, lift this, you know, and, and the outcome will be this. So that can be very hard for somebody when you're trying to work in flexibility with 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 eating and learning how to make peace with that. And so with the mix of, I think, a lot of disordered eating or diet culture being normalized. Um, That's and, a good point. And the fear of that, if I admit it, it's saying I have a problem and there's something wrong with me. I'm not a strong athlete or I don't have a strong mind that they feel like that they just need to keep it to themselves. And so that's really, it's really important to me that we're creating a culture in which they don't feel that way um, and that they feel like they have somebody that they can come talk to and it's a safe place. And, um, you know, they know that we're not going to go run and tell their coach every single thing that they tell us, right, that it's a safe place that they can come and talk to us about their challenges with mm-hmm. food. Yeah, I think, you know, what you said too, I heard you, you know, with an athlete, if they get really fixated on their body image mm-hmm. and that becomes the goal, we've lost, they've lost their way and they may not realize it. And training can help performance, right? Uh, how they eat can help them look a certain way and still perform. But at the end of the day, if it's extreme and out of, you know, it's over in left field, it's going to do damage, right? And yeah. training to look a certain way. Right. And because and, you've, you've seen, I'm sure, I've seen images of individuals that I know what they're having to do to look like that. Right. And it is not healthy. Right. And that is a like you just said, it's a right. horrible message. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's not what they're putting on, right? That's not the message that's put out there. And we've been fighting this for a long time, right? This unrealistic yeah. expectation. It used to be that all you know, we were fighting that magazines that we looked at. You know, when I had a private practice, I would get out the magazines and show you know how they'd been photoshopped. Well, now everything you know on your social media, there's a filter and there's ways that you can change and edit. Or like mm-hmm. you're saying, you're not admitting the challenges that you're having in order to get there in the life. You can live the life that you want to live, right? Does it align with the goals mm-hmm. for your life? And that's, you know, I think the other thing that's important is you mentioned our policies that we have in place. And we, I'm very proud to, you know, work at a place where we definitely led the way in that and that coaches aren't allowed to set goals in terms of weight, right? They're not allowed to say, hey, you should weigh this mm-hmm. or you should look like it's that. So healthy, or this yeah. is what it should be. And that was really foreign when we first started it. But if you start with that team approach, you go back to that team approach and you have the team in the room and you talk about the coach says, hey, I think this, you know, for this position or for this person, this this is what the weight should be. If that team is healthy and they feel they're collaborating, like you mentioned before, you mm-hmm. can say, well, not really, because, you know, from to be this percent body fat, they would have to have this amount of muscle and this amount of bone. And that's just not realistic for their height you know you Mm -hmm. can have those open collaborative conversations um and just when when a health professional dietitian or an athletic trainer let's say somebody that is reviewing those numbers with the athlete that information is heard very differently than their coach and as it should be right the coaches when the coaches speak to the athletes they should take everything that they say at a different level Right. And hearing that mm-hmm. and, and wanting to achieve that. And it's what they're saying is so, so important. Right. And so I tell coaches that, like, that's part of the reason why we're not having you set those goals. They're going to hear it in a different way. They're going to hear it in a way that you didn't intend and take that information. In, and um, it's going to be yeah, heard. Very weighty. It's very weighty mm-hmm. and a lot of pressure in it. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Yeah. So it's to protect the athletes, to protect the coach, but also hopefully to create an environment that we can collaborate together in a healthy way.
And like you said, you, I think, too, you don't know how a kid was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you don't know what their pre-existing relationship with food is before they walk in the room. Right. And so what you think would be a normal message right. to them, they're going to take it completely the wrong way and be almost a trigger to some really bad habits. It right. could be uh, destructive. So right. you're, you're spot on and, and you just got to be so careful, you know, to protect the athlete for sure. Right. Talking about, again, just sports nutrition, what are some current trends you see or innovations kind of coming our way? What do you see in the future? So I think um, one of the things that I see coming probably sooner rather than later are checking um, biomarkers, um, looking at different things in the blood, the saliva, to check, uh, to see kind of how you're doing, right? Um, And you know, rather than only testing the blood a couple of times a year to see kind of where you're where mm-hmm. you are nutritionally, testing it much more frequently and learning what those numbers mean. Because as I mentioned earlier, athletes are always under a state of stress, right? So if we we checked some of those labs, they'd be much they'd be extraordinarily high compared to to me, right? Or mm-hmm. compared to somebody um compared to Joe Blow, as you say. Um so you have to really understand what those numbers mean for an elite athlete and then for that person mm. and then really individualizing their nutrition prescription from that. Based off the test, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and even for, for example, for women at different parts of their cycle, understanding how that affects the nutrition that their body needs and how that affects their training. I think that's another um, area that needs more research, but um, definitely an area coming up. And then I think... The other area that's intriguing to me, I mentioned earlier, is genetic testing and looking at, again, how are you wired and does that change the nutrition prescription for you versus this person over here and, mm-hmm. and the way that they're they're wired and the way they were born, their nutrition prescription, even if it's the same sport, same position, same goal at the end of the day, might have little tweaks. We already kind of do that, right? Like I said, yeah. we take everybody... Not kind of. We already definitely do that for each person that comes in the door. It's not a here's your meal plan based on your height and weight. It's very individualized for that person because there's so many, so many things that go into the decisions that we make about food. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just think that that's going to get much more sophisticated very soon. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing it. Yeah. Like you just said, very specific and individualized for each individual athlete because they're everybody's so different mm-hmm. they have different needs whether it's how they, they adapt a certain way to a workout they yep. process food metabolically differently they carry stress manage that differently that can i'm sure impact absolutely um hormone levels uh cortisol levels everything how much they sleep so adjusting the nutrition based off what you're seeing of how the body's responding mm-hmm. is is pretty cool actually mm-hmm and yeah. I think some of it you can, you kind of know about your body if you're very in tune, you know, um, and y- y- you know you're practicing intuitive eating. Uh, the practice of intuitive eating is really paying attention. You know, how hungry am I? Um, uh, what do I have a taste for? What sounds good? Is it hot, crunchy, cold? That kind of thing. So we work with athletes in that realm. 
to work with an, uh, their own intuition about their bodies. And that, that changes mm-hmm. throughout, again, different times of the month, different times of the day where you are in your training cycle, things like that. More intense cravings for things can be some intuition around it. <laughs> you just have to be careful of, is that an intuition uh, or intuitive eating or mm-hmm. is that um, a habit that I've created? So working with the dietitian to figure out what is what is my, um, mm-hmm. what's triggering my desire to eat that thing. Um, and then I th- the reason why I think that I'm curious about uh, these biomarkers and doing these tests um, and more individualized nutrition based off of it is because for athletes, you can't always use your intuitive eating um, as a guide because mm-hmm. the act of being physically active at the level in which they are affects hunger and fullness cues, affects um, a lot of things like you were talking about metabolically and from a hormone perspective that might get in the way sometimes of those, those intuitive eating cues. Mm-hmm. I got a good question for you here. Mm-hmm. You're obviously, you're married. You have a, a wonderful family, very busy here at Texas. What have you done? And I know this is, you know, I've had discussions about this. How do you kind of work with your work-life balance? We work in a profession that's very demanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, there's never nothing to do. There's always something. How do you handle that? I've learned a lot over the last eight years um, in that because not only is there always something to do, but like if you're a high achiever, which if you're at Texas, you want to achieve, right? So mm-hmm. the, you not only want to achieve, but you want to be what's that next level? What's that next layer, right? Um, I I think that what I've learned is that um, balance doesn't exist on a daily basis, but maybe over seasons, right? Over seasons of time. So whenever I took this job, my husband and I were very aware of the demands and what it was going to be. It was going to be travel. It was going to be long days. It was going to be long hours because, like I said, I had the intention of I want to build a program, right? And um, when people would ask me, you know, how do you do it? I had two young kids. I had a husband. I had, you know, this demanding job and the hours that it took. And um, I would say, well, you know, I don't do it all for sure. I have a lot of help and support. My husband's incredibly supportive. Um, but yeah, he, that's key right there, by the way. Very key. Key. I mean, if he yeah. wasn't as supportive, it would make it much more stressful. Um, and we knew, what I, again, what I was getting into. So he left his corporate job to be more of a consultant role. So we had one person with a little bit more flexible schedule yeah. with the kids. Um, but I would always say, you know, I have, I have a five-year vision plan of where I want the program to be in that time. And after that amount of time, I hope to have the program to a place where I can see my kids play, play their sports, not just yeah, my kids at UT, up, right? Yeah. Not just my 550 athletes watching them play their sports, but hopefully by that time, my kids will be playing sports and I can watch that. So that was kind of the thing that I was working towards. And so that was that season. That was that five years of the grind, right? Of, mm-hmm. of, of recognizing that and having that support at home that we got this, we've got your back, it's great at home um, we'll come and see you sometimes right Um, that's right you gotta be creative be creative with that you know and asking for help and um, remembering what's important and letting the the things that aren't important go Um, making sacrifices you know I definitely made sacrifices with the time that I would spend with friends you know Um, because if any time that I had off from work I would want to spend it with my family and then now over time, um, I, I have built the program in a way that it's not just me anymore. And so I I um, am trying to practice a little bit more of I'm going to, you know, leave a little bit early to go see my kids track meet. Um, but everything is covered, you know, like yeah. everything's covered. It's a team, so, right? 
having the team behind the team. That's right. Um, so I think that's really how I look at it. It's just, it's just different seasons. And then also st- I'm still in a, a seasons, right, where there's going to be seasons where I'm working a whole lot more and I'm, a, I'm around home a whole lot less. And then there's going to be other times where things are a little bit more flexible. Um, so that's been key for me. Having a support for my husband is key. If he were to, you know, to complain about the long hours or um, – you know, say anything in which I might feel like, oh, gosh, I'm letting, you know, some balls drop. That would be a lot harder for me. So having that him be my cheerleader. Um, And then I think to just understanding what my boss's expectations are of me helps me then to be to do what's what's the right thing is to do versus all the things Amy can create in her head and what's important. Right. So Mm -hmm. keeping um, the most important thing, the most important thing, and moving the ball forward on the most important thing. Yeah, the big rocks and the prioritize. Yeah, yeah. right. It's key. It's, yeah, it's key for sure. And then having an amazing staff of sports dietitians. Is That's it key right there. Well. That's right. That's the, yeah. the one thing I'm so grateful to our administration. I know you are too, just the support we have. Such great support. Uh, to be able to do our jobs at a high level mm-hmm. and to also have a, a life outside of, of mm-hmm. our jobs too is, is key and crucial for uh, morale. So. And I didn't, I mean, I wasn't always great at prioritizing that, um, but you have things that happen in your life. Sometimes my husband went through cancer and it really made me look at, you know, where I'm spending my days and where I'm spending my time, where I'm spending my time and why. Mm-hmm. And again, what's most important and where, where, what's the most value that I can provide at that time um, so that I can prioritize the home, to- home, to- home life a, lo- a little too. Mm. Um, what do you do to grow professionally? Um, lots of things. I love to read. I think you and I are kindred spirits on our leadership stuff that we love. Yeah. I love to read books. Um, a lot of, I have a long commute like you. So a lot of times we'll listen to those on audible, um, love podcasts as well. Um, I'm super fortunate to serve on the board for CPSDA. And so, we have a text chain that we text, obviously, things about the board, but also oh, that's, that's we text, good, yeah. you know, these are um, professionals in all different areas of sports nutrition. So we ask, you know, what are you doing in this way or what are you doing? So I think collaborating with other people is really important and reading to stay, you know, if you have an area that you're not aware of, you feel like you need to learn and grow more, asking those other people about it, but also then reading mm-hmm. up on it as well. That's good. What about um, any books, courses? You'd recommend somebody wanting to learn more about uh, performance nutrition? Yes. Um, so the I think what's the the podcast I listen to a lot of times I just hit play. Um, something guru, guru sports nutrition, something like that. I love that one um, specifically for sports Let's nutrition. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. I'll find it. Um, uh, and then, like I said, the th- area that I'm really pushing myself to grow a lot in is leadership. Um, and so I'm always looking for new leadership and growth books mm-hmm. that will challenge me in new ways. Um, I'm rereading Essentialism right now. I don't know if you've ever read that, but yeah, it's like, right, you know, Cal, keeping yeah, the that's, that's important things, right? So what, what is it? That's a challenge It is. Man. And I'm rereading it, like I said, because I feel I tend to slip a little bit sometimes. And I reread Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book every Mm -hmm. few months, too. So that's a great one for me. But if people are looking specifically for sports nutrition, 
Um, there's some great resources on the CPSDA website, sportsrd.org. Um, SCAN also has a sports nutrition uh, manual that's great. Mm-hmm. I tell all new sports dietitians to grab that because it's a great a great guide uh, if you're looking for those specific topics. I would say a great uh, book for anybody that's just kind of interested in sports nutrition is Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook. It's been out uh, forever. She was one of the idols that I looked up to when I was in college, and she just re-released a new um, a new edition of that. So it's a great, basic, good sports nutrition book. That's good. I mean, I think, too, like you said, with the collaborative roles we have, because some people listen to this, they may be the strength coach and the nutritionist. They don't have the budget and the staffing, so they, they will need to go out, utilize some resources, yeah. get some education so that they can do their job better. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's good sure. stuff. What advice would you give for somebody looking to get into performance nutrition? What would you tell them? So I would tell them um, if they're wanting to do collegiate sports nutrition at this point and then where the field is, and again, it wasn't like this when I started, so that's why it's, my journey is a little different, but you got to get your foot in the door, right? You got to, mm-hmm. um, you're probably going to have to work for free for a little while, even if you have your master's degree and your RD, you might have to volunteer somewhere just to make those connections, do a great job where you are. Um, so find uh, a program. Hopefully there's a program wherever you are that you can say, hey, can I come and volunteer for a while? Can I come and see what it's all about and help you guys out? Most sports nutrition programs would love the the help and then also make making sure that they're providing you with some knowledge and some education on what mm-hmm. is it that I need to do to be a sports dietitian. <clears throat> so definitely making those connections and getting your foot in the door somewhere is really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, catch a break. Have to catch a break. And that really comes from meeting people and building relationships and letting people know what you do. Then, as I mentioned when we first started out, is wherever your feet are planted, do an amazing job there. Bloom, where you're planted, you got to shine. You, you got to, to, even if you don't really like it, everything you're doing. Because mm-hmm. you never know where that's going to lead you. Um, and also, you want to be a reflection of excellence wherever you are. Um, and so, if that isn't a job where you feel like this isn't what I want to be doing, it's not related to sports nutrition. Doing it, it's just so valuable. Mm-hmm. You, um, you never get another opportunity to make that impression. And so, doing a great job where your feet are planted, and then hopefully making those connections elsewhere. I mentioned CPSDA a couple of times. That's just because obviously I'm passionate about it. But there's a lot of great resources for people. We have a sports nutrition boot camp. So going to that to network um, and to meet sports dietitians and to learn about sports nutrition is a great, good mm-hmm. starting point. We have that at different places around the country every year. Yeah, that's really that's good advice. Yeah, I didn't know about all that. That's, that's pretty cool. So as we wrap up the show, if people have more questions, they want to mm-hmm. maybe talk to you, um, get more content more knowledge. What's the best way to find you? How should they reach out, Amy? Probably email is the best way. Email. Mm-hmm. Amy.culp at athletics.utexas.edu. And we'll be sure to put that in the, mm-hmm. the show notes too. So You can follow our Longhorn Fuel on Instagram. I'm not as good Do it for the gram. Yeah, yeah. I'm not great at posting, but again, I have a great team behind mm-hmm. me, and they're better about posting. We try to have that be a resource for the student-athletes, but people can just learn a little bit more about our program too. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, Amy, as we go out, one fun question. What is your go-to meal? Being a Texan, mm-hmm. careful how you eat. I know, right? <laughs> What's your go-to meal here in Austin, Texas? Oh, out and about? Yeah. just. Oh, if I'm going to pick, you know, one place if I'm going to go out to eat and I had to pick one, it would be Uchiko. 
Okay, for there sure. it is. Some sushi. If it's going to be at home um, on a, you know, Friday or Saturday night and we're grilling in the spring like it is now, it's going to be my husband's ribeye for sure. He goes hard. Oh man, he's a he's a grill master. <laughs> yes, sir. I love it. I love it. I know I'm a big uh, I'm a big Tex Mex guy and uh-huh. uh, definitely like barbecue. So uh, we're the, you're, you're in the right place. Yeah, I my, mean it's that's the hardest thing about Austin is choosing a place to go so, eat. So a lot of foodies here, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of foodies. It's just so much fun. some great restaurants and. My, one of my daughters, I have four daughters, one of them is kind of turned into a good little chef at home. So oh, we've all benefited. And good. she's healthy, too. I mean, good. You'll be proud. I'm proud of her. She makes us eat healthy. So you can, make, you can make your favorite things healthy and still taste good. It's possible. Yeah, that's good. So, well, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Uh, it's been a great show. And Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And again, anybody listening, reach out to Amy if you got questions, you want to connect, you're interested in getting in nutrition and sports uh, performance. Uh, definitely reach out. She's a great, not only a great person, but just has a lot of knowledge and wisdom uh, and has mentored a lot of people over the years and, and continues to do so. So reach out to Amy. Be sure to do that. So you're a, you're a thanks, rock coach. star. You got it. Thanks, and coach And thanks Mike. for your time. And hey, we're, we're going to sign off out of Austin. Give us a, give us a hook em one time. Hook em. Hook em horns. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.